Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. I'm not worried about anybody else. I've come to receive from you tonight. Come on, lift up your voice and talk to the Lord. Let him know you're ready and willing. God in heaven, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, now let's clap our hands to the Lord and just praise him. Come on, if you felt his presence and his touch in this house, go ahead and praise him with a loud voice. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and praise him right now. Let him know how much you love him. I love you, Jesus. Come on, just tell him, I love you, Jesus. You're an awesome God. Amen. It is so good to be back here in Mankato uh, with you all. As an evangelist that travels and and is in a new church family every week or a new church, uh, there are ones that I have found that that I just feel good and I feel good connection with when I'm here. And and this so happens to be one of those churches. And so I'm at the teetering point here, and it was their last last. Well, I guess it was just May where, where when I come here, I don't just look at, look at you all as, as a church, but I'm starting to look at you all as family. Amen. I'm starting to notice all your faces and I'm starting to, starting to miss you when I'm not here. Amen. I think about you and I'm so glad to be a part of, of the, the Mankato Church family here tonight. Amen. Genesis chapter 13, we'll jump right into the word of the Lord especially after I found out that Pastor and Brother John had gone back into last May's revival to see how long I actually preached. So I must have scarred them with my long-winded preaching, and so I'll be, be on point to try to, try to do better. <laughs> One thing I love about your pastor is we can joke, joke around with each other and have a little fun, put a little elbow in each, other rib, each other's ribs, amen. But tonight, I do want you to do something. I'll be honest with you, and I got my stopwatch here, which means absolutely nothing to me, but hopefully it gives you a little bit of encouragement. Amen. But one thing I certainly appreciate about this church is your ability to tap into the flow of the Spirit. I appreciate that about you. I'm thankful for the apostolic heritage that when I come here uh, as an evangelist, that if we start going and flowing after the Spirit, you're not labeling labeling me as a kooky bird or something like that, but you know how to walk in the spirit. Amen. That you know how to, when it's time to joke, it's time to joke. We can do that. But all it takes is a breeze of the Holy Ghost and we're plugged in and we're going where God is wanting us to go. And I appreciate that about you. Amen. Genesis chapter 13, beginning with verse 14, the stop watches on. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Watch this. Lift up now thine eyes and look. Somebody say, look. From the place where thou art. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land. Somebody say, all the land. Which thou seest to thee will I give it to, give it to thee and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. So that if a man can number the dust of the earth... Then shall thou seed also be numbered. And then in verse 17, he says, Arise and walk through the land. Amen. And the length and the breadth thereof, for I will give it unto thee. And Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and there built an altar unto the Lord. Amen. There's something tonight I would like to uh, mention to you. There is something tonight about your current 
location, your current position, from the, the place where your feet are standing right now that should speak volumes to you. The place where your feet are standing right now should honestly and truly speak volumes to you. By observing our current location, look from the place where your feet are, Abraham. By observing our current location in the position where we're standing now, it should do three things. It should tip us off to where we have come from. It should let us know exactly where we're standing right now. And then thirdly, it should set our eyes to what God is doing for us in the future. Amen. With the help of God, I want to talk to you tonight from this thought process. God vision. God vision. Would you set your Bibles down and I want you to lift your hands as high as you can to the Lord. And let's, uh, my friends, hear me. Today's going to be the first message and it's going to break up any fallow ground. It's going to set the tone for the rest of the revival weekend. So I want you to lift your hands uh, and with all your heart, I want you to do what I know you can do. And I want you to tap into the flow of the Holy Ghost right now. Lord, I pray that you prepared our hearts. I feel like you have, Lord. And I pray that tonight that anointing that I felt in my hotel room and the, the brush of the Spirit that I felt even here tonight, Lord, as we were worshiping you. Uh, I pray that that anointing would rest upon me, God, that I can speak to your people, Lord, what you're speaking. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying uh, to the church, God. Let our faith be enlarged. Let our vision be clear, God. Let our hearts be attentive to what the Spirit is saying. God, you've got to shake us. You've got to change us tonight, Lord. And I pray for a mighty visitation of your Spirit and that when tonight is over, there will be no doubt what you're speaking to your people and we give you praise and we give you glory. Somebody, let's just clap our hands one more time. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. It says, to everything there is a season. Somebody say a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Verse 2, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. And, and I would say tonight that there is just something about seasons. Now I want every one of you to take your right arm, go ahead, and, and I want you to raise it up, up to, the, to the ceiling. I'll, everybody, come on, raise up your hand, and I want you to repeat after me. Uh, I love Christmas season. Come on, lift that left hand right now, and I want you to say this. I play Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Come on, there's something about seasons. Amen. Do we have any Grinches in the house? I know of one. I mean, he's wearing the green coat and everything. He's putting his hand up. Amen. The Grinch. You know what? Here's something. I love to be here, but I was I, I kind of upbraided your pastor on the way home from the airport and the gun gun shop uh, because he told me or he invited me to come preach uh, this revival, but he left out a very specific detail about this weekend, and that is this: that archery season is open. Can you believe he would do that to me and not invite me and let me know so that I could go hunting with one of you guys tomorrow morning? Come on now. Who does that to the evangelist? 
A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. And I could read verse 5, 6, 7, and 8 where it goes through all of these times. A time of love and a time of hate. A time of war and a time of peace. I think, though, tonight the golden nugget that we as God's people are to take away from this passage of Scripture is this. That the one thing that is truly constant and life, amen, is uh, that seasons will come uh, and seasons will go, amen. Seasons will show up at your front door like a storm, and then before you know it, that season uh, will slip out of uh, the back door, amen. Seasons will arrive, and then seasons will eventually depart, amen. Just as we, we could take this Bible and flip from page to page and chapter to chapter in the Bible, and we can read real life stories of men and women of God and we can see that their lives are broken up in chapters and or verses. I would say tonight that I believe my life and I believe your life is also written in chapters and or seasons if I could put it like that. I know the original manuscripts didn't have chapters and or verses but yet in the last 18 years of ministry in my life amen which isn't that much but in the last 18 years I can look back and I can emphatically see those moments where my life has been broken up in seasons and or chapters. If you think I'm preaching all right in this next couple sentences, I want you to say amen. Sometimes there are good chapters and sometimes there are bad chapters. Sometimes they are incredible chapters, and then sometimes they're absolutely terrible chapters or seasons that we have to go through. Amen. Sometimes I cannot wait to take my quill, dip it in the ink, and put the final period of the chapter that I'm in and make it over. Amen. And sometimes I never want the chapter or the season that I'm walking into end. As I was gathering my thoughts in the hotel and as God was pressing this context uh, into my spirit, amen, I, I felt an unction of the Holy Ghost come over to me and God spoke to me and said, uh, I'm going to speak to this church prophetically tonight, uh, but not just this church. I'm going to speak to individuals uh, that I have been positioning, uh, that I have been posturing, amen, for a new season change uh, in life, amen. Here, Brother Aaron, today, uh, when I say in my spirit, uh, prepare yourself because the season uh, that you're in is about ready to change. There's a time to plant, and then there's a time to pluck up that which is planted. Amen. The Bible says there's a time to weep, but then there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn, but then that season will end, and there's a time to dance. Amen. Somebody, I'm trying to pull off any callus that might be on your spirit and position you to receive, to open your heart, to open your eyes to a season change in your life. If I was to take a quick poll here tonight, how many of you would raise your hands and say, yes, Brother Aaron, my life has been through many different seasons and or chapters? 
I do know this, that one thing I've come to know and love about my Jesus is this, that it doesn't matter how bad the chapter is that you might be in or you might be going through. If you will hang on to Jesus' hand, amen, he can take a terrible chapter and he can flip it around and work it out for your benefit and work it out for your good. If you would just trust in the Lord through the valley of the shadow of death when you come out the other side, I'm telling you, he has an ability to make it a prosperous season. So in Genesis chapter 12, as we talk or read about Abram, uh, we will find in our opening scriptures, uh, Abram has one of these do-over moments or these do-over chapters, if I could put it like that. Genesis 11 gives us Abram's lineage and then his family's history, but in chapter 12, uh, more specifically in verses 1 through 8, we see this, uh, God has called Abram, and now Abram had responded to the call of God and is literally walking in the land of Canaan, more specifically in Bethel where he builds an altar unto the Lord. As we continue to read this chapter 12, about halfway through chapter 12, we watch as the story of Abram, uh, it begins to take a twist or a turn because the Bible says in Genesis 12 10 and there was a famine somebody say a famine in the land and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was grievous in the land and it came to pass that when he came near let me just add lib verses 11 through verse 20 as they came near to Egypt the Bible says this that Abram leans over to Sarah and says you know what you are a beautiful woman he wasn't trying to get brownie points or anything but he really meant that and he said this you're beautiful and I have a fear that when we get in to Egypt that Pharaoh's men are going to see you and take you into Pharaoh and Pharaoh's going to take you to be his wife and he will kill me. And so then he goes on to say this, let's say that you're my sister. Can I point something out to you? Anytime you try to call your wife or say your wife's anything other than your wife, it's probably not a good thing, especially if you're saying she's your sister. Amen. And so sure enough, as they get into the land of Egypt, now the Bible's painting us a a very interesting picture. As they get into the land of Egypt, the Bible says, sure enough, his officers saw uh, his wife. His wife was beautiful. They took her in and Pharaoh brought her into his house. And uh, the Bible goes on to uh, explain to us that God, uh, you know, cursed Pharaoh's house, if I could say that with plagues, uh, verse 17. And then Pharaoh finally called Abram and said, what is it that thou hast done to me? Why didst you not tell me that she was your wife? How come the king of the worldly Egypt has more convictions than you do, Abram? Why did you tell me she was your sister? I could have taken her to be my wife. Now, therefore, take your wife and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. And so the picture, again, that is being painted is this. God, number one, calls Abram. Number two, Abram is walking in the calling and the will of God. Does anybody know what it's like to walk in the will of God for your life? 
Come on. Abram's walking in the will of God. He's living in the land of his inheritance. And all of a sudden, the grass withers. And now the season changes. And Abram is faced with the grievous famine. And thus, he makes his way out of God's promised land, out of the land of his inheritance. He sojourns from the land of promise south, down around the Mediterranean Sea, and into Egypt. Amen. And so now there's a shift in this chapter, the chapter that starts started off powerfully. The chapter that started off with God calling Abram. Uh, Abram responding to the call of God. Uh, all of a sudden uh, the season changes uh, and now Abram leaves the house of God and makes his way into Egypt. In other words, I would put it like this, that Abram just trusted in Egypt to sustain him more than the land of promise. Or could I say it like this, that it is in the time of famine that Abram leaned to the arm of the flesh to be his provider rather than trusting in God to be his provider. Sometimes the biggest distractions in life, they come when we do not understand why God has us in a particular season, when we don't have answers to what has come our way, when we can't find the heartbeat of God. It comes when we've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed and God still doesn't answers uh, and it's in that point in time where we as the children of God need to be careful that we don't lean to the arm of flesh to be our provider but rather we hang on and we continue to trust in God the Bible said about Abram in Genesis 13 1 that he was very rich in silver gold and cattle Abram had no business leaving the land of God the land of promise his inheritance his possession to go to Egypt to provision. Does it make sense? And would you agree with me when I say it like this? That just because there are dry spells in your walk with God and your calling doesn't mean that the grass is greener somewhere else? That just because the season that God has you in right now isn't clear and you don't understand it, it doesn't mean that you should pack up your tents, uh, gather your family, gather your belongings, uh, and seek relief somewhere else. Amen. Uh, just because there's a famine uh, doesn't mean you need to uproot yourself uh, and go seeking relief somewhere else. Uh, listen, I'm sorry, but Brother Aaron has seen this way too many times. I've had my own family members do this. I've been in ministry with men, young men, and I've shared pulpits with young preachers. Amen. That when God lets them go through a seasoned pastor and they don't understand why they're going through the hardship that they're going through, all of a sudden you watch as they go through hardship and they don't get answers. Instead of having that draw them closer to God, you watch as they slowly backpedal away from the pain and backpedal away from the famine and backpedal away from the question marks instead of getting closer. One of my friends I've served ministry with, we prayed together, we preached together. He got to a place in his walk with God until finally he posted on Facebook and said, I am agnostic until further notice. My other friend that I shared the pulpit with in my home church posted and said, I no longer believe in the infallible word of God because of tree ring dating. Amen. What happened in his life? What happened in both uh, of their lives. I'll tell you what happened. Uh, God led them into a place of silence. God led them into a place uh, or a season to test them, to prove them. Uh, and instead of getting better and entrusting in God, uh, they said, I'm going to make sure that I don't live in this famine. Uh, and they took matters into their own uh, hands. 
Deuteronomy 8, 2, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? To humble thee. Why? To prove thee. To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. Listen, there's going to be seasons that don't make sense. Help me out. There's going to be moments and chapters that you don't understand. There's going to be times that you feel like God is a million miles away. There will be times where you feel like God has forsaken you. But hear me tonight, since when do we walk by feelings or our sight? The Bible says this is a faith walk. What does that mean, Brother Aaron? That means that when the bushes are dead and the grass is all dried up, I'm not going nowhere. I'm staying in the house of promise. That means when the well is dried up, and I don't have answers. I'm not leaving the house of God. I'm going to stay put. That means when I don't know what's going on, I'm going to trust God. Abram was only in Egypt for a brief moment. And Egypt kicked him out. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 4 says, and he went from the place or went from the south, Egypt, back to Bethel, so around the southwest corner of the Mediterranean Sea and back up to the land of promise. And watch this, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, unto the place of the altar which he had made at the first. He went back to where he first built his altar. Pastor, that says to me that new beginnings come when we build fresh altars. And furthermore, once he builds his altar, we read that that's where Lot and his herdsmen begin to have strife with Abram and his herdsmen. And Abram says this, let's separate. And the Bible says this, that Lot lifted up his eyes. Now help me out. And what does the scripture said? He lifted up his eyes and he beheld the plain of Jordan that was what? That was well watered. Are you understanding what the scripture is speaking to us tonight? There was refuge in the land of promise this whole entire time. They was only in Egypt for a brief moment as they journeyed down around. They get into Egypt. Egypt kicks them out. They go back. They rebuild the altar. And all of a sudden, he said, we are too big. Let us look around. Lot says, oh, look at the plains of Jordan. They're well watered. There was refuge in the land of promise the entire time. But hear me. If you're looking through the eyes of the flesh, you will never see the refuge that is in the house of God during the famine times. That's why we need fresh altars in our lives. Uh, That's why we need to look with God vision uh, so we see it the way God sees it. All right, let me put it like this. In 2019, how many of you have ever seen this trend? Uh, You have seen somebody in the house of bread, the house of God. Uh, You have seen somebody come in uh, and they live for God for a while and all of a sudden God lets them go through the wilderness. Uh, He begins to try them and grow them uh, and all of a sudden they they go through a hardship and now they backslide uh, and they backslide for what? Just say three to five years and all of a sudden uh, one Sunday they come back to the Lord uh, and they find themselves up at the altar after Pastor 
preaches uh, and the revelation comes. Uh, there was provision here the entire time. Uh, I never had to go to Egypt. Uh, I never had to sojourn in a strange land because it was hard. Uh, if I would have just built an altar and had God vision, uh, I would have seen it like God sees it. Somebody say fresh God vision. We know the scripture in Proverbs that says without a vision, the people, help me, perish. My rendering of that is that without vision, the people turn into vagabonds. They wander in life with no direction. They drift spiritually. They stop pressing after the prize. They become complacent. They live off of last year's victories instead of reaching for new victories. They stop pursuing after their spiritual goals. They cast aside the practices that they would normally do if they had fresh God vision. There is nothing better in life, nothing better for an apostolic than fresh God vision. There's nothing better that you could have than fresh God vision for your life. When you have God vision, there's an excitement. When you have God vision for your life and you know what God has called you to do and you know what God is doing in your life, uh, when you wake out of bed, wake up, wake up and you jump out of bed, uh, amen, there is almost like a bounce to your step. Why? Because you're driven by spiritual God vision. Amen. There's clear direction. There's clear focus. But I would say on the flip side of coin, the coin, there is nothing worse in life for an apostolic than having no God vision for your life. When you have no God vision for your life, it breeds frustration in your spirit. A lack of vision gives you the feelings of being incomplete and unfulfilled. Walking around with no spiritual vision will suck the zeal out of you. Come on, somebody. It will destroy your godly passion and reduce you to a commoner amongst the average. You know, when I left ABI for four years, so we are actually in this area for five years, 2002 to almost 2007, and I left. And I went back to my pastor, and I told him, Pastor, I'm just here to serve you. Whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. It doesn't matter. And guess what he did? He started using me. Widows needed their lawn mowed, their, their, their snow shoveled, the church needed work done, the church grass needed mowed, the pastor's grass needed mowed, five widows around my house needed mowed. I'd teach Bible studies in that 10 years of serving my pastor. I, taught, I was the head of the Bible study teaching. I was the head of the outreach. Me and my wife served as a Sunday school teacher. We both were on the music staff. As we continued through that, we were head over the New Life teachers in the converts class. I served for eight years on the Pennsylvania Youth Committee. We headed up the Elisha ministry. We, we drove the Sunday school bus when there was a need. And I can say this, after all of that service for 10 or 11 years, that the difference maker in every one of the positions that I held was simple 
fresh God vision. That was the difference maker in everything uh, that I had and I've done. Why? Because when you walk around with fresh God vision, uh, you're not just picking up some brat kid or you're picking up some kids that are unruly and and they give you headaches and all that stuff. But when you're driving the bus with fresh God vision, uh, you know that this could be the Sunday that they receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. And they're baptized uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, When you have God vision, it's not just a Bible study, but this is the Bible study I'm going to teach. And they're going to see the oneness of God. They're going to get the Holy Ghost right there in their living room. When you have fresh God vision, it changes everything that you do. Why? Because you never know. This could be the moment that something changes in our life. Tonight, I'm doing my best to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost and let you know that God is trying to awaken us in our spirits and prepare us for a season. And if we're going to walk in that season and we're going to do what God's calling us to do, we got to build some altars and we got to get some fresh God vision in our life. And so Genesis 13, 14 The Lord speaks to him and the Lord says, Abram, I want you to lift up your eyes and I want you to look from the place where you are, the place where you are, the place where your feet are standing, northward, southward, eastward, westward, everything that you see, all the land, hello, all the land. I don't know why, but I'm telling you what, that gets, me, that gets me excited when I see and I hear where God's speaking to somebody and he said, you just look and everything that your eyes can behold, I'm going to give it to you. Amen. I sure hope we're not just seeing the paved road and the, the, the telephone poles, but I hope when we're looking out in our community, we're seeing a harvest field. We're seeing souls that need saved. I'm t- are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. When I see outside, I see the power of God touching our city. Uh, moving in our spirit, uh, moving in our families, uh, moving in the community of Mankato. Look from where you're standing uh, in everything that you see. uh, I'm going to give it to you. Arise and walk through the land. When's the last time you felt a burden for lost souls? Come on, somebody. When's the last time you've woken up and all you could do because we just just weep because of your neighbor, weep because of the lost person you go to church with? Uh, come on, are we so calloused uh, and caught up in our own life that we can't hear the cry uh, of the lost that are on their way to hell and that are going to be lost for eternity unless somebody stands up and says, you know what, uh, I'm going to walk this land. Uh, I'm going to claim this land. Uh, when's the last time you went into a prayer meeting uh, and you were so shaken uh, in the spirit, uh, you were compelled to get into the car and you want to drive the city's uh, streets calling on the name of Jesus uh, for every drunk, uh, every alcoholic, uh, every drug addiction person, uh, every marriage that's broken. When's the last time uh, you cried with a passion uh, and a burden like Jesus would uh, if he walked through Mankato beholding the lost? Jesus, you got to help me right now. Lord, I feel the unction of your spirit on me. You got to help me reach right now into every heart. 
I know it's the first night, God, and sometimes the first night is the hardest, but right now, God, I feel your spirit is leading me, God, to break up some ground, Lord, to get us back to seeing things the way that you see them. In order for God to take Abraham where Abraham was called to go, Abram was going to have to look. Take inventory of where you're standing right here, right now. I feel like that's what the Lord is calling us to do tonight is just to take inventory spiritually of where you're standing right now. I cannot emphasize enough of how much your current location should be speaking volumes to you right now in the Spirit. The place where your feet are right here, right now. Look down at your feet, everybody. The place where you're standing right here, right now, should be speaking volumes to you. Your current location should cause you to evaluate the past and where God has brought you from. You didn't just get here tonight. Do you understand that? You've come from somewhere. And no, I'm not just talking about your house. I'm talking you've come from somewhere, spiritually speaking. You didn't just arrive. I'm going to tell you every one of us have a story here tonight to tell. Every one of us has come from somewhere according to the hand of God working in our life, according to the measure of mercy and His grace that is upon us. Amen. I could sit here and tell you tonight story after story after story of how God has worked in my life, both through the good and the bad. And you know what? Every one of you could come up here and tell us your story of how God has brought you from where you started until where you're at right here, right now. The problem is, is that most of the times a preacher references the past. There's a screeching halt in the congregation. You know why? Because the past is a double-edged sword. The past can be a tool in the hand of the adversary that reminds you of the guilt, reminds you of the shame, reminds you of the negative of where you come from. Or the past could be the tool in your hand that when you look back over your past, you get something that comes into your spirit that says look at what God has done in my life amen so the past can be a tool in the hand of the devil or it can be a sword in your hand amen that says you know what if God did that for me what else can God do for me if God brought me from that where's God going to take me now if God brought me out of the house
house of bondage and look, look, look at where my feet are right here right now. If God has done that for me, come on, God can do more for me and God can do it for you. Come on, there's something about your past. It should cause you to look retrospective at what God has done in the mighty hand of God and how he can work in our lives. If you only knew what I used to do, if only you only knew the addictions I used to be addicted to, if you only knew the pit of hell that God brought me from, amen, you might not listen to me, but tonight when I think about God in his mercy and what he's done in my life, it brings faith to me. If God has brought me from there and put me here, then God can take me anywhere. And that's why when we get to the Corinthians, Paul said, and such were some of you, but you've been washed. You've been cleansed. You were this, but now you're that. You used to be addicted, but now you're delivered. You used to be full of fear, but now you're full of joy. Come on, go ahead and look at your feet. Uh, some of you need to remember what it was like when you were around the bar stools, uh, addicted, uh, putting a needle in your arm, uh, walking around with a spirit of fear. But now we're in the house of God, uh, and now his mercy uh, is upon us, uh, anew and afresh. If you're thankful for the mercy of God, uh, let's just give him some praise for what he has done. Nowhere, nowhere in the Bible does the Bible warrant us, of, uh, warrant us the right to let our past keep us from going where God has taken us. Uh, nowhere. In fact, the Bible says this, uh, a just man will fall seven times, but he gets back up again. It doesn't focus on the falling. It focuses on getting back up through the power of God's Spirit. Listen, some of us here tonight, we need to put the final nail in the coffin of our past. If you're ever going to go where God has called you to go, if you're ever going to walk on new territory and, 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 and explore new areas of the Spirit, uh, you will not be able to do it unless you're free of your past and your shame and your guilt. Uh, it's time to put the final nail in the coffin of your past uh, and say, you know what, uh, devil, I'm removing the sword out of your hand uh, and I'm putting it in my hand. Uh, I used to be that, uh, but now look at where my feet are. Come on, do I have to take this church as I speak to this church as a whole? Do I have to take this church two years ago back uh, to the place where I first met you uh, in a building over there somewhere in Mankato and I looked around uh, and there wasn't room for people to sit uh, and as I parked, uh, I had to park on the street uh, and I had to wait in a line for a bathroom. Uh, do I have to take you all the way back to that in your roots? Amen. Look at what God has done. Uh, look at where God has brought us from. Uh, amen. There's something about this uh, that should have Whip us uh, with faith uh, that if God could do that, uh, what else can God do in our life? Uh, what else can God do in this church? Come on, let's truly clap our hands to the Lord right now. Come on, clap your hands and let's just praise him for a moment. Your current location should be the very spot that solidifies in your mind 
solidifies in your mind, are you ready? That God has your back. Come on, that should make you smile, somebody. That you're, you should look now, right now, at your feet, spiritually speaking. Uh, and when you see where your feet are right now, it should be uh, the spot that solidifies your, in your mind that God uh, has my back uh, and God is going to bring his will to pass uh, in uh, my life. Hear me tonight. Uh, I have fought devils, uh, but look at where I'm at tonight. Uh, I've come against strongholds, but look at where I'm at tonight. Uh, amen. I've been resisted by walled cities uh, and spiritual devils. Amen. But look uh, at where my feet feet are tonight. You can't remove my feet from this place of victory. There's nothing you can do to take my feet from this mountain of victory. Amen. The devil's tried his best and he's failed. The devil's tried to rob our families, but look at where we are at tonight. Hey, I'm here in spite of the opposition. I'm here in spite of the naysayers. I'm here in spite of those that didn't believe me. I'm here in spite of hell's best attempts. Look at where my feet are standing tonight. You know what I was, one time God was breaking me and allowing me to go through everything. Financial strain. We'd budget the, we'd budget, what time am I at? We'd budget the checkbook and there was 39... 39 cents in our check, checking account. Hell well. That was nice when cheeseburgers were 39 cents at McDonald's. I can't even take my wife on a date now to McDonald's. <clears throat> Financial strain, pressures from every side, the boss turning against me, work, character assassinating me, from every angle you think of, my wife and I, we suffered a, a loss of our baby. We went through more family trials. Her family isn't saved. We went through pressures and persecutions. I'm talking one after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. It was like we got our head up above water. We took a breath of air, and it just pushed us back under a whole season. And one time, uh, I laid on, in, in, on the ground in prayer. I was praying on my knees, and I just broke, and I, I fell down uh, on the floor, and I began to sob, and I told God, I said, Lord, I am so sorry. I pride myself in having a steel chin. Uh, I can fight the devil, but I have taken one too many blows. Uh, if you don't stand in and do something today, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I don't know if I can handle this anymore. My chest was pounding. Uh, I had physical chest pain because of the pressure. And then all of a sudden, God spoke to me so simply. And he simply said this, Aaron, he said, I didn't bring you this far to let you die in the wilderness. He said, I didn't bring you this far to let you die right here. And all of a sudden, my, my mind, it changed, and I saw a vision uh, that this whole entire time, uh, as I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, God had my back. Uh, God was leading me. Uh, God was on my side. Uh, and when I realized that God was on my side, uh, faith came into my spirit, uh, and I knew uh, I'm going to get through this. Uh, I'm going to come out. Uh, devil, you better watch out, because when you're done, uh, I'm going to come out. Uh, better than I went in. I've just engaged an entire province of Canada in the spirit. I preached in New Brunswick twice, Pastor, and I talked to the bishop there, and he said they acquired the Newfoundland district. He said there's a big struggle 
to keep churches and to have churches and to grow. They're kind of isolated. I said, well, we'll bring evangelists in. They're like, well, they can't afford it. They're home mission churches. I said, well, if you set me up a schedule, I will get sponsors from pastors and I will go in. I'll go in with the sponsors just to help me and my family get in there and we'll preach. This year I went back and he still hadn't done it. And so the conversation came back. I said, I told you, get me a schedule and I'll go in there and preach. And so he did. He scheduled me. I'll be going to Newfoundland in October. And it, a miracle was that the district board allowed me just to present the need to my, my Pennsylvania district at church camp in July. And I, I gave them, they gave them an opportunity to sponsor revival. And in seven minutes, they raised $8,000 for me to be able to go to Newfoundland. Amen. And so now I'm going to be able to make two trips into Newfoundland. So that's a, a miracle that I give God glory for. <clears throat> but I specifically told my pastor I'm not going to engage it because I'm not mentally prepared to engage what they're fighting. And so I made an, an intention not to engage the spirit of Newfoundland and what the people are fighting up there. And when I was in Wyoming in August, the middle of August, it engaged me. Because all of a sudden, Pastor, I found myself under such, I, I, don't, I won't even repeat the things that were pounding my mind, the anxieties, the pressure. It came against me. It came against my wife. It's attacking my children. It just landed on me. Brother Rick Gonzalez in Chicago, when he found out I was going, he's like, you're going to feel the, you're going to feel the, the weight that your covering has and that they feel all the time, and you're going to feel hell attacking you in that measure. And so I'm like, well, that's nice. Thank you for that word of encouragement. And so here we are fighting. And when I was in Philadelphia, I hope this is all right, but I was in Philadelphia about a week ago. And I'll try to, the spirit of fear, it came into my hotel room. And subconsciously, I could see that spirit as I'm sleeping. And I watched it in my dream come into the room and he stood right over my bed and he looked down on me. And my first reaction was somebody had broken into the hotel room and I was going to start swinging, as any, any natural reaction would be. And I realized this wasn't, a, it was a spirit of fear trying to intimidate me. And you know what I did, Pastor? After fighting hell, after fighting discouragement and everything else you could fight, I, I looked up at that spirit and I, I just started laughing. I just, literally, I just started laughing in my hotel room and I said, devil, you're pretty afraid right now, aren't you? A couple days later, I went back to my house. This was just last week. I went back to my house. I haven't been sleeping. I have slept more on my couch than in the last three weeks than I have in my bed with my wife. Not because I'm in the doghouse, but because I'll just lay there at night and I'll toss and I turn in my mind. It gets pounded. All of a sudden, my heart will start to race and I'll begin to react physically to the, the, the extreme pressures and I'll get up and I'll go downstairs and I'll lay on the couch. And one time, it just bombarded. I felt like I was losing my mind. I told my pastor, it feels like my mind is just being trampled on on the concrete I I feel like a lunatic and one night I just finally said devil you're pretty afraid right now aren't you and I begin to laugh I begin to chuckle and you know what I said you know what devil I'm going to tell you right now I'm not even going to get up off the couch I'm going to lay here and tell you with authority that when I come out of this, uh, you know that when my feet land in Newfoundland, uh, that I'm going to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost, uh, that not by my strength or my power, I have no abilities, uh, but when I live, walk in Newfoundland, you know I'm going to have jurisdiction over you uh, and the devil's there and we're going to have a breakthrough in the spirit. Uh, that's what I'm trying to preach to somebody right now. I don't know where you're at uh, and I don't need to know, but what you need to know is you won't be here tonight uh, if the devil could destroy you, uh, but you're here. Uh, you're 
you're here tonight in spite of his best attempts. You're here tonight in spite of the naysayers. Just look at where you're at right now. Come on, somebody lift your hands and go ahead and trash talk. Uh, Go ahead and tell the devil, you tried to confine us to an old building, uh, but look at where we're at. Uh, You've tried to hold us back, uh, but look at where we're at right now. Go ahead uh, and get a little bold in your spirit. uh, And you tell the devil, I'm not going nowhere. But when I come out, you better watch out. Uh, God's anointing is going to be on me. somebody. God's anointing is going to be upon me. Oh, I feel the faith in my spirit. I hope I'm communicating, Pastor, what I feel in my spirit. As a man, I feel so helpless right now. I need God to help me to communicate what he's put in my spirit for you. You're coming out. Hey, man, just look around. My devil, what'd you, what'd you say? We're not going to have revival? Walk through that parking lot out there. What did you say, devil? You're not gonna, we're not gonna have revival. Just look at where my feet are right here, right now. What? My Sunday school class won't grow? Go ahead and walk right through your classroom and begin to claim it in the name of Jesus. Oh, the bus ministry won't grow. Oh, devil, look at what we're doing right here, right now. We're coming out of this mess. Musicians, would you join me? I'm four minutes over your pastor's 40-minute mark. I'm hurrying. I'm not going to be the same. Can I get excited a little bit? I'm not going to be here forever. This season's going to change. This, when I come out of here, pastor, I'm going to be sharper. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be the best me that I've ever been. I'm not going to quit in the time of famine. I'm not going to leave the house of bread. Look at where my devil, you've already tried and you failed. I'm coming out of this. And then lastly... Your current location should be the thrust in your spirit that makes you feel thankful for what God has done, but not satisfied. Let's all stand. Thankful, but not satisfied. As you walk this building, Pastor, and you feel that overwhelming, this was a God thing, nothing more than a God thing. Not by our works of righteousness, not by our effort. It's just simple, a God thing. have to double up in parking anymore yet we don't have to worry about having every seat filled yet I'm thankful for every person that has come into this place and felt the touch of the master's hand 
I'm thankful for every person that was addicted, lost, and needed Jesus that walked through these apostolic doors uh, and Jesus reached down and touched their life in an apostolic way. Uh, oh, come on. What about the gentleman that was baptized? We talked about it today. Uh, the Muslim man that was baptized. Uh, and when he was baptized, he was saying, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for how many got baptized last week and got the Holy Ghost three baptized and one got the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for that. But your current location, it should be that spot that says, you know what, devil, you're not even in the picture anymore. Look at what God's done. Oh, I'm thankful for this. I'm, look at this room that I have. I'm thankful for every blessing. I'm thankful for every miracle. But it should be that spot that says I'm not satisfied. It should be that spot, church, that says, wow, look at all these empty seats. Look at, look at all these empty parking spots. Oh, God, you got to do something. You got to do something in my city. You've got to do something in my spirit. You got to shake me until I walk around with a burden to see the Sunday school filled, to see the youth room filled, to see the sanctuary filled, to see the building project begin so we can do it all over again. Are you hearing what the Spirit's saying? I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. But I'm not satisfied. It was today when I was waiting for pastor and the family to pick me up from the, the hotel to come over here. I was sitting over there going over some of my thoughts and I felt the unction of the Holy Ghost, the same unction that I felt last time I was here on the last night and God gave me a vision. I had totally forgot about it. When I do, when I do that stuff or that happens to me, I totally forget about it. Unless I write it down. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, right in between the pillars of that entranceway, every hair on my head and my neck stood up. Uh, I had goosebumps running down my back, down my legs. Uh, my body was covered with goosebumps. Uh, and God reminded me uh, about that big, that big field I saw that just looked like a field covered over with dirt. Uh, and all of a sudden, an angel's wing came. Uh, and it swooped down. And that wind from the angel's wing, uh, it began to blow the dirt off that like chaff uh, would blow off of a wheat. Uh, and all of a sudden when the dirt blew off of it uh, there was an entire field uh, of golden wheat that was right uh, right for harvest and ready uh, and that unction came over me again today uh, and said I'm thankful but I'm not satisfied there's lost souls in the balance uh, I've got to do something about it uh, I've got to do something about that field Come on, I feel an unction right now. When's the last time you sincerely buried your face in the carpet uh, and said, God, I give you my life anew and afresh. I need you to open my heart. I need you to move on me. God, touch my life that I can see it with fresh God vision. How much does one soul matter to you tonight?
young people, are you willing to stop playing Xbox? And I'm looking at all the girls here, and they're like, what are you talking about, Xbox? But are you willing to fast pizza or your favorite food until you invite and you bring a guest to church for the very first time? Are you willing to lay it all on the altar until you teach your first Bible study? Are you willing to sell out and get radical for the loss that's in this city? Are you willing to let God move on you and take you? Do you have the vision for your life like God has the vision for your life? thankful and although I love the open seats and the room I see the empty seats and all of the room my friend the hand of God's upon you hand of God's upon you I see it it's upon you When I look at you, I see expansion. I see more. I see land. It's yours for the taking. He's working. Seasons come and seasons go. There's some of you that I've looked at, and from what I'm viewing and observing in your spirit this time is different from what I observed and viewed in your spirit last time. Some of that's good, and some of that's not good. I don't know the seasons that you've all been through. I sure know what it's like to go through a season. Still in a year and a half old season myself. But I wonder if there's anybody willing that in the season that they're in to find a place of an altar and say, God, I gotta have fresh God vision. I gotta see it again. I gotta see it your way. I gotta see what you're seeing in my life. I wonder if you'd begin to come to this altar. And I wonder if you could lay your life down anew and afresh. And say, God, take this vessel. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you'd like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.